0: This program's about the impossible. There's a good chance that you believe in the impossible. In 1967, Dr. George Wald won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. Dr. Wald said When it comes to the origin of life, there are two possibilities creation or spontaneous generation. There is no third way. Spontaneous generation was disproved 100 years ago. But that led us to only one other conclusion, that of supernatural creation. We cannot accept that on philosophical grounds. Therefore, we choose to believe the impossible, that life arose spontaneously by chance. This Nobel prize-winning scientist rejected the science that God had to be the creator of life. The only possible explanation for you. Me, I'm a Christian because I don't believe in the impossible. Stay tuned and let's explore the universe as it really is. I'm Paul and this is C-Y-K-I-A-E. Christ, you
1: know it is.
2: Gender theory, what is it? Well, one of the best books that cover the dark place that gender theory came from is the book written by one of the greatest mathematicians of the 20th and 21st centuries, Igor Shafarevich. He lived through the horrors of Stalinist Russia. He published his insightful study into the evils of socialism in a book called The Socialist Phenomenon. He described socialism as a death cult, its goals are being carried out, in part today, in the form of modern gender theory. It masquerades as science, and like scientific socialism, which Shafarevich dismissed, saying, we cannot recognise scientific socialism as a genuinely scientific theory. One of the goals of socialism is the abolition of the family, because the family is the most important building block of society, the barrier against the utter collapse of civilization. So let's resume my interview with Patricia Wirakun, sex therapist and author of what is a vital book for families to protect them against the predators that even our governments and teachers are unleashing on the most innocent part of our community, our children. Her book is called You and Me. It seems you have to get your children properly educated about who to trust in the world before they're corrupted, possibly irretrievably. It's a shockingly vital and short race you have to save your children from the evildoers who are now being given free reign to corrupt them. Jordan Peterson, in his book 12 Rules for Life, says that the window of opportunity for parents is up to the age of four. So there's no time to waste. Okay, let's continue with the interview with Patricia Wirakun, the author of You and Me by the book, Understanding God's Good Plan for Girls and Boys. Some Again, some lovely animals. You've, mm-hmm. Now you've gone from the koala to the kangaroo.
1: I know. I insisted that we have one Aussie animal in it.
2: Yeah, no, it's... um. It's, um uh, so you talked about sin, and again, that's that's very unpopular today, isn't it, mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. sin?
1: We do want to introduce the concept early, because we want children to realize that all is not good in the world today, and we want to give parents the opportunity to discuss this further, in terms of how this people, our people turn away from God's, Good plan. And so we we kind of leave it to parents as to how they want to continue as suitable to their child. So we kind of leave it with choose the animal that looks kind of crafty there. And so we have that little kind of crafty looking snake there. And then, you know, we want to talk about just allow parents that gossip opportunity to talk about how man and woman and God had this perfect relationship but then they turned away and that whole relationship was spoiled and ever since we've been all struggling and this whole thing of all the confusion that they may be some children may be feeling or their friends may be feeling is feelings are part of that rejection of God and that's just giving parents that ability to talk about—we have an extension activity in the back of the book, saying, "Can you think of other ways in which the world is messed up?" And parents, we leave that to parents. Some may want to go there, others may not. Like some may want to talk about, you know, in their family, something bad that's happened, or somebody who bullied, or some yeah, something bad, something, someone got sick or died, but. Some parents may not want to go there with their children right at that age, so we leave it to parents.
2: The um, uh, just sorry, just finding my place. Um, in the book, um, at the end, you um, end in mm-hmm. prayer. Yeah. Um, why do you do that?
1: Prayer is an essential part of any family. And I, I, we wanted to really put that out, our prayers with and for our children. You know, the Bible tells us our prayers are a fragrant offering. What else do we want to offer more than our prayers for our children? They undergird our parenting. The best parenting, if you're a Christian anyway, is undergirded by the word of God, and you're raising your children with prayer, with them, and for them, which is why we said pray with your children.
2: Now, I talked to you about, and you've, you've briefly co- covered off on it as well, I sent you an article by Dr. Mm-hmm. Diane Ehrensaft.
1: Oh, uh, yes, there's those ones, the Diane Ehrensaft of this world.
2: Yeah, there are some people, she says, that think folks like myself and the people at our clinic have fallen off the deep end. Um, <laughs> and then the journalist, uh, she, she says, um, she wasn't talking about religious right either. She was referring mm-hmm. to other mental health professionals. Yes. I take it that Dr. Eerenshaf isn't a Christian. I wrote, I emailed her and asked her if she was, and I never got a <laughs> reply. You will
1: never get a reply. No, I didn't. There's no debate.
2: I didn't expect one.
1: There's no debate for the transgender ideologist. You'll never get a reply.
2: So we've got a, a 76 or 77-year-old president of the United States at the moment. Uh, and yeah. uh, according to Dr. Irinsaft, three-year-olds are incredibly smart. So mm-hmm. can we look forward to a three-year-old president of the United States, do you think?
1: <laughs> but, you know, the way they're going, why not? You see, children at that age tend to determine biological sex based on dress and look. Any parent knows that. any parent. You pick up a doll if it's wearing a dress, it's got long hair and a handbag, it's a girl doll. Somebody walks in the front door and they have long hair and they're in a dress and they're carrying a handbag, it's a woman. It's an auntie. That's the way they determine sex. Now, there are children at that age who are uncomfortable with the concept of their biological body. And Personal confession, I was one of those. This, The majority of this is kids who don't fit the stereotype expected of being a girl or a boy. I was growing up in the tea plantations of Sri Lanka. I was expected at four, five, six. To be a good girl dressed always in pink and doing helping mom with the cooking and cleaning while my two brothers who were six and seven years older were having a wonderful time in the garden on their bicycles why would i want to be a girl i was a tomboy so that is called gender non-conforming behavior today those kids who are gender non-conforming and even think, I don't want to be a girl, I want to be a boy, like I did, are being told you are the other. See, there is no such thing as a trans child. There is no such entity. There, no child is born in the wrong body. There is no such thing as a girl brain in a boy body or a boy brain in a girl body. These are myths. There is no scientific backing on that. Secondly. We know the science clearly tells us that when allowed to, as we call, live in their skin and help to explore their feelings, the terms that are used are watchful waiting or gender exploratory therapy. The majority of these kids, over 85%, will accept their biological sex at puberty. But when socially transitioned, as Diana uh, Elkhast or whatever she had in those, In the article, change the clothes, names, pronouns, preferred pronouns, and especially it started on what's called puberty-blocking drugs. Almost 100% will continue to cross sex hormones and surgical alterations. We are putting three-year-olds on the fast train to lifetime medicalization, sterilization, and surgery.
2: The, um, so giving them beta blockers and, um, and other... Uh, hor- puberty blockers. Puberty blockers and hormones is, is not going to make a, a, a little girl into a little boy?
1: Science, your biology cannot be changed. A girl will always be a girl. A boy will always be a biological boy. All you're doing is cosmetics.
2: We're getting um, stories that are emerging now, and I imagine there'll be a lot more in the future of people who have been put through these processes mm-hmm. and uh, have, have pr- probably around puberty or a bit later have realised that they've gone down the completely wrong track. Um, Correct. How do you see all, all, of, um, all of this ending in the future?
1: Well, the people who are researching this, interestingly, Paul, are not Christians. The people who are actually researching this are people who are either call themselves openly say they are uh, atheists or agnostics or just don't say. For instance, doctors like Ken Zucker, Ray Blanchard, our own Professor John Whitehall from Western Sydney Uni, who is a Christian, academics like Colin Wright, Catherine Stock, Holly Lawford. I can go on. Psychologists, journalists, writing, Andrew Doyle, Helen Joyce, you know. There are people now coming up. The tide is turning. And the people you talked about who are called detransitioners are now, I think, gearing up for for litigation. The court cases will come. And the research is clear. The evidence for what we call affirmation treatment. The affirmation treatment is so low. Europe. States in America have come out and said that there there is no clear evidence for this kind of management of gender confused children. So the tide is turning. We can only hope and pray that the children who have been harmed will go through it without any serious damage coming out at the other end.
2: In Queensland, um, there are laws Mm. that require school teachers uh, who have children who identify Mm. as the opposite sex and use different pronouns to their biological sex um, uh, to conceal that from the parents and to use the uh, sex uh, pronouns when they speak to the parents and and, and use the um, child's Mm. preferred pronouns at school. I think that's a, a terrible um, breach of, of
1: amazing trust. Isn't it? Amazing, you know, we go right back to queer theory. See, queer theory tells us was transgender is a grandchild or a child of queer theory. Queer theory basically looks to break down norms. So, queer theory breaks down societal structure. Anything that's seen as oppressive, family is oppressive, parenting is oppressive. The state, the school has the authority, not the parent. And so this is what they call child-led management. Your five-year-old can't decide, can't get a tattoo. They can't, uh, you know, join the armed forces or do anything. But they can tell you they want to change their sex. This is child, let the children lead us. This is what Dr. Diane Erhanskat or what she would say. <laughs> yes. This is so different to child centered management, which is when we care about the child. But we all realize that a child can't decide what they want for dinner, much less that they want to change their sex, which can't be done anyway. But they believe it can be done. The lie that the ideology says that you can change. No one can change. But children believe when they are young.
2: I think I think one of the... Uh, this is not quite on the topic, and I certainly haven't forewarned you about this, but it seems to me that one of the fundamental issues of a Christian view of the world is that sin... Play as an important part of it. Mm-hmm. We are responsible for our sin and, and dealing mm-hmm. with it. Whereas the modern non Christian approach is that it's everyone else's fault, everything that goes mm-hmm. wrong in our life. Oh, um, yeah. And, and therefore, there's no, there's no sin and it's everyone else's fault society, school, parents.
1: Uh, yeah, because my feelings are what matter you see i need to look into myself i need to find my authentic self and i need to have these desires met if i'm to be happy and if my desire is to change to look like the other sex then that is my right and for you to say that that is not correct then you are a bigot and it doesn't matter about christianity i mean whoever you are you are a bigot and you must be cancelled the ideology and the radicalism of today small group of people but loud and powerful have taken over scientific and medical associations like the world professional association of transgender health even the prestigious academy of sex research which i used to be a member of journals universities medical schools swamped by gender ideology and transgender activism, sadly also underpinned with corporate money. But that's another whole topic.
2: There's a a quote that I gave you uh, from Dennis Prager, who's a, mm-hmm. a, a Jewish theologian and he's, he's in the middle of writing books yeah. on the, one book on each of the books of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And I'll, I'll just read this and ask you for a comment. He said, "'Science provides no wisdom and no moral guidance. One cannot learn how to lead a good or meaningful life from science. While the Torah teaches love your neighbor as yourself,' If science teaches anything, it is survival of the fittest. If one were guided only by science, one would affirm eugenics, the doctrine that human beings deemed burdensome to society, the mentally and physically disabled, for example, should either be sterilised, allowed to die, or killed. Is there one science-based reason to keep the infirm alive? They are not kept alive in nature, which is entirely governed by the laws of science." So how do you feel about that comment? Uh,
1: it's very interesting because I haven't read any of his work, but I've come across some of the YouTubes and things where they've talked about him. The reality is that when it comes to sex and gender, the science, which we probably don't have time to talk about, of desire and love and sexual intimacy is congruent with God's good word. And non-Christians are speaking about it. There's a researcher, a writer called Louise Perry, who writes about, I think, how the sexual revolution has failed. And she writes about how all this sexual revolution has failed and how science today, research, is clearly pointing towards Christian sexual ethics works. Male and female, they were created surely works. So it's not just us. That reality is when it comes to sex and gender and the body, science and the word of God is totally congruent. Why should we be surprised?
2: I think that's a good point to finish this interview <laughs> and maybe maybe I'll be able to cover another one of your books when you uh, when something comes out. It's been wonderful sure. talking to you Patricia and thank you for your um, your educated uh, insights into these issues that are confusing so many people today.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's been an honour to spend this time with you. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Patricia. Bye. I've been talking about Patricia Wirakoon's book, You and Me, which is published by Anglican Press Australia. It's available from sites such as Coorong and, I'm sure, many other sites. I think the last word on this topic should go to God, the creator of the universe. So here is what he had to say about his creation of human beings. When God
0: created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created the male and female and blessed them. Thanks for listening into this program. C
2: Y K I A E. If you missed it, you can catch up with it as a podcast on my CYK, IAE, Spotify, Apple, Google, and many other podcast sites. Just look at my program details on Cans FM 89.1 for clickable links. I'm Paul. Don't miss my next program because you're going to love it. I want to thank my ghostwriter, without whom this program would definitely not have been possible the Holy Spirit. Maybe you could catch up with me at my church, the Gafcon Northern Hope Anglican Church at the Cairns and District Junior Estedford Hall, 67 Greenslopes Street, Edge Hill, some Sunday at 9 a.m. If you liked this program, you should definitely listen in to my other explosive program, The Danger Zone, also available as a podcast on those same sites. Search Danger Zone, bracket DZ, close brackets,